without attachment to the reward, meaning that not performing the action with the, with the intent of gratification of ego or gratification of the senses. And so seeking gratification is something very natural. And Lord Krishna says, do not support that. That is why Manishanam, those who are discriminatory people, though discriminating the thinking people, those who understood that this tendency of seeking gratification through senses or gratification of ego, that tendency will only perpetuate the tendency for seeking gratification and then it can never be really fulfilled. And therefore, I have to grow out of that rather than support that tendency. This is called Viveka. So, this is the discrimination. So, Manishinam, Vivekinam, those who have this discrimination. And therefore, understand that Karma Yogi also must be a person who has this basic discrimination. Vyavasayatmaka buddhihi ekeha kurnandana. In the second chapter it was said that this is Vyavasayatmaka buddhi. Meaning, this ascertainment must be there in one's life. As to what the purpose of life is. Even though a Karma Yogi is performing karma, but still, he has an understanding of the scheme of life. That the life is for praptasya praptahi, attainment of what is already attained. Then the sense of insecurity which I feel is not the reality about me. Even though that is my experience, that is not the reality about me. And therefore, may I not do anything out of insecurity. So fake it and make it, if you want to use that formula here. Then fake that you are a secure person. And how would you do? Then there is no need to support my insecurity, no need to also support my ego which arises from insecurity. See, ego can be also sattvic, rajas and tamas. What we want to do is to, well, it's not that we want to destroy the ego. They always keep on talking about destroying ego. There's no need to destroy the ego. We just want to purify the ego from tamas to rajas and rajas to sattva. So when the ego is under influence of tamas, it hates things, it doesn't want to do anything, there is no initiative, no motivation. He wants to drop out or he wants to, then not want to participate. Then we convert that from tamas to rajas and whip it up. You must participate, you must do this, this is your duty, this has to be done. And threaten it also, if you don't do then this are the consequences. <coughs> so from tamas, you change it to rajas. But when rajas is there, selfishness will be there because rajas means born of insecurity. Tamas means I am not even sensitive to my insecurity, that's all it means. And rajas means I am keenly aware of my insecurity, keenly aware of my need. So a person under influence of rajas is a, is a keenly desiring, a needy person. So keen sense of my need, this is what rajas is. So my need, my insecurity and therefore the actions that are performed by me originate from the sense of need or sense of insecurity. Then sattva, that I do not want to support that sense of insecurity. I do not want to support that keen sense of need even though I feel it, I do not, I know that it is not real. I know meaning at least I intellectually know that it is not real. Because Upanishad say, so ultimately Karma Yogi also has the understanding of the teaching of the Upanishad. The Upanishads say that you are Brahman, you are limitless, you are what you are seeking to be, that's what you already are. And therefore, I make that as a basis of my life rather than what I feel about myself. <clears throat> so not what I feel about myself or what I am supposed to be is what I make the basis of my life. So faking in that sense that I am, this is what I, 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 so that is called Upanishad as Pramanam. So whether I, I give my buddhi, my present intellect, I look upon that as, a, as an authority or as a valid means of knowledge, or I look upon the Upanishad as a valid means of knowledge. Upanishad says, you are Brahman. My mind says, I am, I am insignificant. Which one am I going to take it to be right? Well, the discriminatory person takes the statement of Upanishad as right. And he makes that the basis of his life. What should I make as a basis of my life? What my mind tells me? That I am insig insignificant, insecure person, should that become the basis of my life? Or what Upanishad tells me? That I am Brahman. So this is what we call a, a believer. Real believer. Not just giving lip service to God and things like that. A real believer is the one, so Astika is the one 
who accepts the Vedas or Upanishads as Pramana. And therefore, that teaching becomes the basis of the life. So that that teaching becomes a reality for me. Right now it is only a possibility. So I begin with a possibility that I am Brahman, that's a possibility and it makes sense to me. It is not that I just accept it because Upanishad says that, but then it makes sense to me. When it makes sense to me, then it is only sensible that should become the basis of my life. And therefore, a commitment to make that teaching a reality for me, that's all. So what is the possibility is to be made a reality. <coughs> that process is called yoga. And all the time supporting my sense of a need of gratification and doing whatever, you know, to fulfill that need of gratification is called bhoga. So thus there are two lifestyles. Giving reality to my need and insecurity is one lifestyle and not giving reality to that and basing my life on what the Upanishads say is another lifestyle. Shreyaha and Preya, Preyas and Shreyas. But anyway, so this is Karma Yogi. So Karma Yogi is not just a person who keeps doing things. He has an understanding of the scheme of things and therefore there is a certain value. The value is that this Aham Brahma, I am Brahma, I want to make that as a reality for me. <coughs> and then there are certain obstacles and they have to be removed. So let my action become a means of removal of those obstacles. <coughs> so etanyabhidu karmani sangam tektva phalanicha. Therefore, sangha, this attachment to my conclusions about myself, that I am insecure, insignificant, give up that thing. Give up attachment to that, give up identification with that. Phalanicha and therefore, do not make the action as means of supporting that. Rather make your actions as a means of offering. <coughs> Kartavyani, Hipartha, this must be done in order for you to grow. This must be done in order for you to remove the many obstacles that are obstructing the manifestation of that wholeness that you are. Nishchitam madamuttamam. So something has to be done also. In as much as by doing things in a certain way, I accumulate the obstacles. By doing things rightly, I remove the obstacles. The example that Swami Vivekananda used to give is, that you remove one thorn with another thorn. Remove a thorn with another thorn. And then throw over the thorns. Similarly also, whatever these impurities or attachment aversions that you accumulated because of performing actions in a wrong way, they are removed by performing actions in the right way. And so, the right way of living is important. Not just, you know, and so, first the right way of living, which arises from right way of thinking, right way of living, and then being right. So, therefore the right way of living is this yoga way of living. Kartavyani teme partha, nishchitam matamattvam he partha. This is my firm and the best conclusion. <coughs> but people don't understand this. They don't understand what role the karma or the action can play in their life. Niyatasya sannyasaha. Karmana no So this is what they call Niyata Karma. The third chapter, Lord Krishna said, Niyatam Kuru Karmatpam. Here Arjuna, we will perform the Niyata Karma. See, Niyata or Niyukta, so you are appointed to do something. As we have been saying, that everybody has been appointed to do something. Like, see, we see in the nature that everybody, everything that is created has a role to play has some contribution to make in the scheme of things. Even though it may be a little ant, it may be an atom, it may be anything. It has some place in the world. Nothing is redundant, everything has a certain use, a certain role to play. And so, human being, you are also created to play a certain role and therefore play that role. That's called Niyadam Karma. The Karma or the action that is performed because I, I have a sense that I am appointed to do something that I have a certain place in the scheme of things and therefore I must respond to every situation based on my place in the scheme of things. So, this is so. Niyatam. This is... And when we... See, we may not know what it is. That's the reason why the scriptures give us the guidelines as to what to do. And in the Vedic time this was very clear what a Brahma should do, what a Kshatriya should do, what a Vaishya should do, what anybody should do under a given situation. Oh, right now all we can say is that I use my best judgment to determine what is the right thing to do in a given situation based on the basic values of life. So non-violence, truthfulness, there's a basic values of life and based on them I 
I determine what is the right thing to do. But so niyatam. I am required to do something and I don't do that. Sanyasaha. Renouncing something that I am required to do. And the scriptures requires to do things for our own benefit, for our own well-being, not that they have some, some agenda. And so whenever I am told to do something or avoid or stay away from something, it is for my own growth. And so knowing what I am required to do, knowing what the scriptures tell me to do, and still I renounce it. Because I don't believe, I don't think that they are right. And so by moha, by moha means by delusion, that is by wrong thinking, by opposite thinking. What is supposed to be a beneficial thing to me, I look upon them as a burden to me. Like the Sankhya said that every action is always beset with some evil and therefore give them up. So there are people who did announce it, give up everything, renounce everything, throw everything away. So some people are so big on this renunciation thing that in public talks and on and people really, what are you doing? Why are you doing this puja, worship? What is that's all for children, not for you. Throw everything away. People literally throw them away also because they get so impacted by this and then they don't know what to do. And so this is moha, not understanding the, the importance, the value of something. You are given a sh- piece of sugar cane, you know. You have to throw it away ultimately, but first of all, squeeze the juice out of that. A piece of sugar cane, squeeze the juice out, then throw it away. Yes, you have to throw it away. You don't keep on chewing and chewing and chewing away. You realize that. You chew up to a certain point, then extract the juice from that, and throw it away. There are so some fellows who throw away without extracting the juice. There are some fellows who keep on chewing. That also is not right. We say that, take the juice and throw away. But do not throw away before you have made use of it. And so also this karma has a very important role to play in the life. Not recognizing what role the duty, karma is the duty has to play in our life. Not performing, renouncing, thinking that it is a burden to me, thinking that it has no role to play. That means by moha means a wrong thinking. Tamas, tamas means darkness. And because of tamas I cannot see things. And that is a distorted perception and therefore on account of the distorted perception I renounce karma, give up. That is tamasaha parikirtitaha. That is called tamas, born of tamas. Arjuna was doing that in fact. Not recognizing the importance of this karma that was in front of him. He will give it up. And so Arjuna, that is not right. That is tamas, born of tamas, born of delusion. Very often things happen in our life that we don't know the value of something and we... You know, you, you have told you the story earlier, like this poor man once went to a, a Mahatma, went to a sadhu, who was visiting his village and this man is very poor and goes to that Mahatma, goes to that saint and uh, says, I'm very poor, please do something for me. And that saint gives him something, gives him a piece of rock. So, okay, take this. This will remove all your poverty. This man doesn't know what to do with this piece of rock. So, in the beginning, he placed it in his puja, in his, at his altar of worship, among the many gods that he already had, he added one more. Kept on doing worship, but nothing happened. Six months passed, nothing happened. His poverty did not go away, money wealth did not come. He said, what's the use of worshipping this rock? Because it doesn't do anything, let me use it. And therefore, he started using it for, for chutney, for, for, you know, for making chutney. Chutney means for grinding and crushing things. So next six months passed that way. The whole year went by, nothing happened to this man. Again, the, the chat, the monsoon came. That saying happened again, come to that village. Again this man went to him and uh, says, what happened? He says, are you still poor? I'm still poor. Why you came to me last year and I gave you something? Yes, you gave me a piece of rock. I didn't know what to do with it. So what are I doing with it? Well, I'm using it for grinding chutney. Says, look, that is in fact a touchstone, a philosopher's stone. It was what they call a parasmani, means a philosopher's stone. And if it touches iron, it converts iron into gold. Except this man doesn't know that and therefore he uses it for something else. So also this karma, the duty is something like that. 
The duty is actually to convert the iron into gold. My personality is like iron right now, which is black and cold. It is to be made golden, shining and bright. And that's what the concept of duty does. Not recognizing that, people just throw it away. People just neglect it or ignore it. So this is moha. Moha means not knowing the value of something. And therefore, misusing it or abusing it. <coughs> or not using it. This is one way of renouncing. So there are different kinds. Just because there is renunciation doesn't mean it is right. Then Lord Krishna continues the eighth verse. Dukhamiti. This is painful. Iti. Eva. Yet karma kaya klesha bhayatya Somebody relinquishes the action. Because, merely because it is painful. And kaya klesha bhayatya. Out of the fear there, this is going to bring about physical suffering. So this is nothing but exertion. This is nothing but physical exertion. All it brings about is pain. So some people look upon the duty as a source of pain and exertion, nothing else. There are people who do not see the meaning, value of duty and therefore they abandon it. There are other people who know that this is duty and I should do that. See, Moha means the fellow doesn't even know that he should do that. He thinks that it is useless, it has no use and therefore he abandons it. Here is a person who knows that this is the duty and I should perform it. But he says, what is? what does it do to me? He does not see any benefit in performing duty. It is nothing but physical exertion and nothing but painful, that's all. Therefore, it is merely painful and brings about physical exertion and therefore he relinquishes this duty, relinquishes karma. <coughs> so that is also renunciation. So people renounce then also. So people renounce because it is painful, like this man, you know, had a lot of problem with his wife and so one, one, evening, one afternoon he comes home, he came home a little early. Every evening he used to come home at 5 o'clock and his wife would keep a cup of tea ready for him. And this afternoon he came home at 4 o'clock and wife was just busy. And so uh, he announced, I am here. You know, it's okay. Nobody seems to take notice of his arrival anyway. So he hoped that the tea will come. In 5 or 10 minutes the tea did not come anyway. So again he, he's, he's, you know, he announced his presence. No tea, he shouted. After 15 minutes of this drama going on, his wife said from the kitchen that if you want to, you can make it yourself, I am busy. That's it. This man was just upset. He says, this, uh, there is no place in this house, I have no place in this house, I don't live here. Just walked out and go straight to Rishikesh. Goes to the ashram, goes to Swamiji. I, I want to become a renunciate. All right, what do you want? I want to meditate. You know, fine, give him a room. So he was given the room for meditation. And he comes back in five minutes and says, But Swamiji, what should I meditate? No, how long should I meditate? Oh, meditate for fifteen minutes. And he goes away and again comes back. Says, but what should I meditate upon? He says, Well, what was it? What was the last thing that you saw when you left home? He says, As I left home, I saw a cow coming, you know. All right. Then meditate on anything other than cow. Okay. He went back. Comes back in ten minutes. But Swamiji, I, when I close my eyes, only thing I can think of is cow, nothing else. What should I do? He said, better go home and settle with your wife and do what you are doing. And so, because the mind is just not ready for renunciation at all. So merely by giving up things doesn't mean that we become ready for renunciation. And so, Rajasam Chagam, this kind of renunciation is born of Rajas. Because it's too painful, you know. And therefore, very often, renunciation happens. Renunciation doesn't always mean taking orange cloth. Renunciation means just dropping out, not doing something that is painful. And people want to avoid pain. Even Arjuna also will fall in this category. That he wanted to abandon this, this action, the duty in front of him, because it was too painful. And very, this happens to us in the life also. Very often, we are also confronted with challenges. 
and, and to speak truth sometimes is very painful because it may mean that I have to relinquish some gain. To be honest, to be truthful is not easy at all. In short, following a duty is not easy at all. It is painful. Otherwise, why should they ask us to do? Had it been easy, there is no need to even command us to do. We would do it ourselves. But performing duty is a painful thing. Because as you said, when I want to perform the duty, I must, I must give importance to someone else's need as compared to my own need. And then I must be willing to relinquish my need in favor of the need of someone else to whom I am bound by duty. And then, therefore relinquishing one's need or comfort is painful. And therefore, people give it up. Dukkhamiti, this is painful. Kaya Kleshabhaya, this is nothing but physical exertion. As, as I say, to serve the teacher also, it depends on what kind of a teacher he is. But some people are not easy to please, you know. And so the olden days, the teachers would wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning, and the disciple must wake up at 3.30 in the morning or even earlier, and prepare, keep everything ready for the teacher. Bring the water from the Ganges and heat it up and keep it ready for his bath and whatever. And he may go to sleep at 11 o'clock and he must massage his legs and do everything and then go to bed at 11.30 or 12 and wake up at 3.30. Very difficult. Some teachers are pretty tough you know, and they keep you always on your feet also. Because that's the way they think that this person needs to be trained, whatever it is. Or their needs are there or whatever it is. But then it is not easy to serve somebody, not easy at all. Serving somebody means that I have to submit my ego. That's what is required to be done and it's not easy at all. And so, whatever. So, performing duty, living life of values is, is not easy. It is painful. And the pain is only because I'm holding on to certain things. I am holding on to certain things that are very valuable. Basically, my ego is valuable to me. And therefore, my own likes and dislikes are valuable to me. Or my own demands are valuable to me. And I seek certain security from my values and from my beliefs and whatever. And all these requires to be given up slowly and slowly. And it is painful. So understand that without pain nothing can be accomplished. No pain, no gain. But then person is not willing to, to undergo the pain that is called for in the process of growth. And therefore people give it up. And also, as they say, the, the grass is greener yonder and so... Being in a condition, you know, everybody feels that being a Swami is so wonderful. Living in the home and living in the society, thinks that there is a lot of struggle involved, I'm sure. And so it looks very easy, very nice, you know, to, to give that up and become a renunciate. And so no more alarm clocks in the morning, no more, no need to go to work, no need to get up in the time and, and get ready and go to work and no such need. No demands on you at all. Sounds, looks very easy. And therefore, uh, therefore there is certain fascination also, particularly in a place like India. People grow with certain fascination for being sannyasis, for you know, being renunciates. And so also, very often people come to ashrams and they join course and things like that. Not because they, they just want to go to ashram, that's all. They want to become a sannyasi. So very often people ask me, Swamiji, when did you become, when did you decide to become a renunciate? I said, I never decided to become a renunciate. Then what I decided to do, the only thing I decided was to go out to study, that's all. Renunciation, etc. is something that followed in course of love. My decision not to become renunciate. In fact, had they insisted that I must become renunciate, I would not have gone there. Based on kind of ideas that I had at that time, you know. And so, that is how... Uh, but it is not that you decide to become renunciate, it's that you want to pursue the knowledge. Anyway, <coughs> so Dukkham, anyway, because what I am doing or what I am required to do is painful and therefore there is a natural tendency to take the easy way out and that is how things are renounced, things are relinquished, things are abandoned. So that kind of a giving up is, is born of rajas. Sakrutva raj samtyagam naivatyaga phalam lavet And so this kind of a tyaga or renunciation, so called renunciation is born of rajas. And even though it becomes renunciate, naivatyaga phalam lavet, the result of renunciation, the fruit of renunciation, or the benefit that is should gain by renunciation, he does not gain. Sanyasastu mahabaho dukkhamaptum ayogataha. In the fifth chapter, Lord Krishna said, that is the mind is not mature, mind has not been prepared by the practice of yoga, 
and one takes a sannyasa, then dukkhamaptum becomes very painful. Even though sannyasi doesn't have to do anything, that is true. But at the same time, sannyasi doesn't have any benefit also. So, uh, it is all right, sannyasi is here, all kinds of things, you know, okay. I mean, you have a refrigerator also, a microwave also, and all kinds of things you have. You could also have other things if you wanted. In the United States, but then otherwise, sannyasis don't have any. You go to Rishikesh, not go to our ashram, go to other ashrams in Rishikesh. Go to Kailas ashram, places like that. And, and uh, sadhus live all right, but they have a room to themselves. That's the whole thing they have. There's a bed, they call it a seat, whatever it is. There are some racks, you know, which contain some books. That's all that he has. A few pairs of clothes, this is it. They go to the Ganges in the morning, take the dip in the Ganges. There are no hot water showers and things like that. If he has a ceiling fan, well, he's lucky. And uh, that is an ashram, that is better. Some people live in their own hut, in which case they must go out for Tvannakshetra for getting their food. And you get whatever is cooked there. Nobody asks you, Swamiji, what would you like to eat today? How about this, you know? Shall we do this? No such thing. And so, living life of sadhu meaning that living life of austerity. Basically, what is meant by renunciation is that you have deliberately given up the, uh, the pleasures of life. So, why do they shave the head? Well, the, the head stands for all the attachments, seeking pleasure. You shave it off, meaning that you are no more seeking pleasures. And so, that is what is meant to and whether you like it or not, that's how it is. And then you have the desire, I want to go to a movie, how about having a slice of pizza? Suppose in Rishikesh, you know, you think like that, you'll have a lot of problems. And so, dukkhamaptama yogata hai. If the mind is not ready, if the mind has is, is, is come to a point where it enjoys the study, enjoys the contemplation, enjoys the Ganges, enjoys the company of sadhus, enjoys listening to the scriptures, all this is available there. In places like Rishika or, or Haridwar, yes, satsangs are always going on. You can go and, you don't even have to teach or anything. You can take advantage of, listen, you know, listening to the classes. And they are very kind. If you go to Kailas Ashram to attend a class in the morning, they'll give you a ticket so that you can have lunch right there. So that way they are very kind. Provided you like to do that. But the sadhus, they go and attend class for one month and, and they say, now, what are you doing, Maharaj? Well, I'm going to Kashi now. He just wants to go someplace. He goes there for fifteen days and then goes to Rameshwar or something like that. Because you require a mind that enjoys things, enjoys a life of study, life of contemplation, enjoys a simple life, life of austerity. If one has discovered a love for this, fine. But that's a painful, to become simple is very painful, you know. To become simple is not easy at all. And so, when one has gone through the painful process of growth of emotional maturity, then one is ready for living a life of simplicity and austerity. And before, without that, the renunciation that is done, renunciation is supposed to give you some reward. And that is knowledge and liberation ultimately. And that one does not get by this kind of immature renunciation. <clears throat> so Lord Krishna is dismissing these renunciations born of tamas as well as born of rajas. What's the third category? Sattva. So what's the nature of renunciation born of sattva? In the ninth verse we are told. Karya mityeva yat karma Karya mityeva yat karma Niyatam kriyate arjuna Niyatam kriyate arjuna Sangam Chakva Palam Chaiva Sangam Chakva Palam Chaiva Satyaga Satvikomataha Satyaga Satvikomataha So now, when duty comes before me, see, different people respond to the idea of duty in different ways. A person whose mind is overcome by tamas, when he confronts his duty, he sees that it is useless thing and therefore give it up. He doesn't see any use in that. When the person having Rajogona, when he confronts a duty, 
He looks upon that as a source of pain, pain in the neck, that's why it is, you know, and therefore it is just a source of pain and inconvenience, and therefore he relinquishes that. He knows it should be done, but then he relinquishes. Like every morning, you know, this uh, alarm ring, you know, alarm rings, you know, alarm bell rings, and every morning I shut it up. I know I should wake up in time so I can do my exercise, I can do my prayers, I can do some job, whatever it is that I need to do. But who wants to take that pain? Then when I become 50, then my, you know, the knees start paining, I get cold shoulder and stuff like that because I never exert it. So when there was a need to be, to do exercise and, and take some pain, I did not. And then person avoids pain, but then pain catches up with him anyway. You cannot avoid pain. But anyway, and so the person who is, uh, whose mind is Rajas, so one Rajoguni person, he looks upon the duty as a painful thing and therefore he gives up. And the same duty. So, Tamoguni person does not see the value of it and therefore drops it, gives up. A Rajoguni person looks upon that as a source of pain and therefore he gives it up. Where same duty when a Sattvaguni person with Sattva in the mind confronts, why the response? So, same thing creates different response in different people. Thing being the same, world being the same, action being the same, duty being the same, situation being the same, different people respond differently to that. So how does a sattvic person respond to this duty? Karyam, he says. Karyam iti. Hey, I should do this. This is my bounden duty. I must do it. So that is his motivation. His motivation is, so when he confronts a situation, he says, hey, I must respond. And therefore, people have a different sense of duty. And there is no, I mean, you know, what you are duty bound, there is no end also. As you said, I am duty bound to the whole universe, actually speaking. That's how the Vedas ultimately say. But anyway, in order to make it practical, we are said to be duty bound to the, at least the near and uh, near and dear ones, to my parents, to my family, to my near and dear ones to begin with. And then to the society and hopefully then to the village and then to the town and then to the country and then to the whole universe and to the whole living creature. So this is the scope of duty. But anyway, and therefore when some calamity happens someplace in the country, different people respond differently to that. Some people say, this is an everyday business, you know. Some people say, who cares? Some people say, no, I mean, going there is very painful. And some person says, I must go there and do something. So it's just different people respond differently to the same situation. And thus, when there is a situation that calls for a response from me, the person who is endowed with sattva in him, the response that creates, that arises is what? Karyamiti, this is my bounden duty, this is my duty, yeah, I must do that. Then that is the motivation. We, we said that the person with Tamoguna has no motivation at all. Person with Rajoguna has motivation, motivation to do that which is only beneficial to him in terms of gratification of his ego. That's all he is motivated with. Person with Sattvaguna has also a motivation. And what's the motivation? I must do, I must respond. As we say, he feels that it is his privilege to do that. He feels that it is his privilege. It is my pleasure to do that. He doesn't feel a sense of compulsion that is compelled to do. A person with Rajoguna feels compelled to do something. While a person with Tamoguna doesn't feel compelled. He feels that it is his pleasure. <coughs> so this is inner motivation. Until that motivation comes, we have to bring motivation from outside. That is the reason why the scriptures tell you do's and don'ts. So scriptures ask us to do certain things and ask us to refrain from doing something that is because a person requires to be motivated from outside, outward. Sometimes parents have to motivate the children. Come on, go to school, study, what are they, you know. Swamiji, my son is so bright, but he just doesn't do anything, he doesn't work hard enough. His teacher also says that if he works hard, he can do much better. He's just not motivated. And so people are not there. Therefore, then you have to bring out motivation. If you, my son, if you get such and such score in the SAT, this is what you will get. Then the fellow will be motivated. If you get the score 1450, I'll give you this. 1500, I'll give you this. 1525, I'll give you this. Then I will do it. So, not that he cares for SAT, or not that he cares for score, he cares for what the benefit will, that score will bring. That is called attachment to karma phala. <coughs> When the motivation is purely the reward that an action is going to bring, that is what we call attachment to karma phala. 
All that Lord Krishna is asking us to do is to change the focus of motivation. Let not the reward be your motivation, let the very doing be your motivation. That requires a very, you know, very evolved mind. But when can we get evolved? When we do that. That is called faking and making. I don't feel like doing it. Right now the motivation is to, the reward alone is motivation. But I check, I, I check that impulse from me and I make myself be motivated by doing something good. Let doing something good for the sake of doing it be a motivation. This is what Lord Krishna is teaching. So karma yoga is doing something that is good for the sake of doing it. Is it not itself a reward? When somebody is thirsty and you bring a glass of water to that person, is it not a reward in itself? No, oh, but he didn't say thank you Swamiji. I gave him a glass of water, no appreciation. Didn't say thank you. Doesn't care. But that you gave him a glass of water and that he drank that water and his thirst is appeased, you know, is it not uh, in itself a reward? So Lord Krishna says, let your action itself be a reward. Then you can never be disappointed, you see. If the reward is the motivation, then there is likelihood to be disappointed because I may not get the reward. Other person may not respond the way I expect that the person respond because they have their own moods. I mean, it's not that people don't say thank you because they don't want, they have their own moods, they have their own problems. And that's the reason why he didn't say thank you. Swami Gaisha and Hariyom, but they did not respond. So look at these people. They don't even bother to, to, to return the greeting. Doesn't matter. But you say Hariyom, do it nicely and enjoy it. So Lord Krishna says, rather than postponing your pleasure or enjoyment to the reward, may you enjoy the very action itself. Very practical thing, is it not? Because reward is something that I cannot control. It depends on somebody else who gives a reward. And I can never be sure of what it will be. There is uncertainty, unpredictability. Action is something that is in my hand, in my control. And therefore, if I learn to enjoy the very action, nobody can disappoint me. This very simple Krishna is teaching in Bhagavad Gita. <coughs> so this is sattvic person. Karyamiti, I must do that. But suppose for me I am not sattvic, then what? Then do it with the spirit. So suppose I am a sattvic person, how would I respond? Then my motivation would be that this is nice opportunity for me to do something. If something is lying on the ground here, some you know, some piece of paper lying, let me pick it up and put it in the waste basket. Yeah, but Swami, who cares? Who cares what you do? There's nobody going to take note of what you do. So I want to be visible. I want that things must be taken note of. People always want to do those things where they are visible. The visibility is there. In, you know, in all the public functions that are organized, I being there, you know, I, naturally I know it. But anyway, wherever public functions are organized, there are many things to be done. When a public talk takes place, many things are to be done. Of course, Swami is the most visible person, no doubt. But there are other visible people also, who are the MCs or who are the, uh, those who pay, make introductions, announcements and things like that, you know. Or those who come and do things on the stage, they are visible people. There are many people who have done a lot of work, they have no visibility at all. They did the mailing and they did so many other public contact and flyers and stuff like that and nobody knows what they did. So people want to do this one, you know. I want to be the MC, I want to make announcement, I want to do something. So, then there is a visibility. I'm not saying people want this, I'm just imagining a case. I do not know, you know. So the thing is, all people want to be visible. <coughs> and so I want visibility, I want an appreciation, I want recognition. If that is not there, I don't care to do. So person with Rajoguna says that I will do something provided I get the direct benefit. Personally, Tamoguna says, I want the benefit, but I don't want to do anything. So, Tamoguni fellow wants the benefit without doing something. Rajoguni fellow says, I will do something provided I get the benefit. The Sattvaguni person says, I will do it whether the benefit comes or not. That's it. It is my pleasure to do. It is my privilege to do. It is my duty to do. Better than duty, say that it is my privilege to do. Duty also, the word duty also brings up a sin, I mean, conveys, has a connotation of some kind of a compulsion. You know, in sattvic person doesn't feel compelled. So, 
Even though the word that I, it is my duty, but in fact it is my privilege to do. It is my pleasure to do. That God has kept me in a given situation where I can do something. That I, that God has given me some abilities which I can share, which I can, you know, which I, with which I can, I can contribute. So it's a privilege that I am in a position where I can contribute something, not an ordinary thing. Whether it, so therefore, when a person feels that sense of gratitude, that's why he's a devotee. Sangam tektva phalani that's how. Sangam tektva phalam Sangam means that attachment. Attachment that I, I have to do something, I am doing something. Not that. Sangam tektva meaning giving attachment, meaning it is my pleasure to do that. It is my privilege to do that. One who does it as a devotee. And so, I am doing this as an offering to the Lord. To make this offering is my privilege. Therefore, that, that strong sense of ego or identification is not there. There is a sense of doership. Karma yogi has a sense of doership, no doubt about that. But in the doership also, like a Thomas doership, Rajas doership, Sattvic doership. That also we describe subsequently in the Bhagavad Gita. But what is meant by a Sattvic doer? Is one who does it with humility, one who does it with a sense of devotion. Ideally, one who performs action as an offering to the Lord, as an act of worship. So sweeping the floor also can become an act of worship. Sweeping the floor of the temple can be directly an act of worship. That's the reason why we have these rituals and we have these acts of worship where it's easier to maintain that spirit of devotion. It's difficult to maintain spirit of devotion in cleaning dining hall. Look at these fellows, you know, they don't know, they are throwing here, this is so dirty. People keep complaining and doing things, you know. But, therefore it's difficult perhaps to maintain the spirit of worship there. It's much easier to maintain worship of, spirit of worship when I'm making an offering directly to God. Therefore these kind of actions are also helpful. That in, in, in our daily routine that there are actions which are meant as a direct act of worship is very useful. But Lord Krishna will want that ultimately that spirit of worship should enter, should, 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 uh, should pervade my other activities also. It should percolate into that. And so as Swamiji says in one place that from the small puja room worshiping the Lord, he goes out into the large puja room, which is this world, you know, and, and offers this puja. But this has to happen. It happens in course of time. But it will happen provided we want to make it happen. Provided I have value for it to happen. It will not happen by itself. As Swamiji says in one place that emotional maturity is something that will happen as a result of an effort. You will initiate the process of maturity. It doesn't take place automatically. So the Lord has given this human embodiment, which is a very sophisticated, most evolved embodiment and therefore God has done his job. So that evolution is complete with other evolution, that is the spiritual evolution, that is the responsibility given to human being. We have to do that. So karmanyavadikaraste, it is your responsibility to perform an action, meaning it is your responsibility to undertake the process of self-growth that you have to do. I have done my job, I have given you whatever you need so that you can use it for your growth, but then you have to do that. <coughs> and therefore a karma yoga is the one who looks upon his life as a process of self-growth. Therefore, he doesn't want anything else. That, that is why Manishanam, people, those who have discrimination, that ultimately what I want is inner wealth. The outer wealth is okay. It is inner wealth that I want and that's the purpose of my action. And therefore, he looks upon every action as an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to contribute, an opportunity to worship. He's happy. When some dude, some something to do comes, he's happy. Happy to respond because it's an opportunity. You see the motivations. How the motivation in tamas? Motivation with rajas, motivation with sattva. Tamas, useless. I don't, I don't see the need of doing. Rajas, too much botheration. Sattva, pleasure to do. Yet karma, niyatam, kreta, erjuna. All the Lord Krishna confines the discussion of niyatam karma, the enjoined action. Actions or duties enjoined by the scriptures. These days we do not know what the enjoyment of scripture is because, you know, we, we no more have that kind of a benefit of a structured life. Those days the life was very structured. The structure was the Varanashrama Dharma, 
And so the duties of this, the members of society were divided according to their caste and according to stage of life. We don't have that. That's okay. But every action can be said to be an enjoyed action. Because from morning to evening I keep on confronting variety of situations and every situation calls for a certain response from me. And that I should provide a response which is in keeping with my dignity, which is a becoming response. And therefore, one can say that it is a becoming response. A response to a situation that is becoming of me can be called duty. And that it is my privilege to do. It is my pleasure to do. Sangam tattva halam chaiva. While doing it, there is a sense of offering. May the Lord be pleased with this. Sangam tattva. Not that I am doing it. I am doing it because of the privileges provided to me. I am doing because of the opportunity given to be a doctor is not an ordinary thing. To be a doctor, to be an engineer, to be even a housewife, to be anybody is not an ordinary thing at all. And therefore, it's a privilege. It's a privilege. There are many people who are not this and they don't have that benefit. Doesn't matter. To be a sweeper also is not an ordinary thing. To be a janitor also, nothing is ordinary. Everything is a privilege. As Swamiji says, in the Vedic times, it was easy to, relatively easy, because there was a non-competitive society where one member of society did not compete with the other one. Because what you do did not matter so much as how you do that. That you have a certain role to play in the scheme of the society and therefore you are doing your share. Whether you are a farmer or whether you are a carpenter, whether you are an ironsmith, whether you are a, you know, goldsmith, whatever you are. Everybody Everybody was happy doing what they were doing. But once I... See, when reward becomes important, then action becomes... Then then competition comes. Then I realize that my action of sweeping the floor gives me only this much money. On the other hand, this businessman is getting that much money. The doctor is getting so much and lawyer is getting something else. And therefore, that... Therefore, their action is more rewarding than my action when the reward is measured in terms of the gratification or in terms of the material benefit that it brings. If the reward of an action is measured in terms of the satisfaction that it brings, then any action is as good as any other action. But if the reward is measured in terms of the material benefit that it brings, then no action is equal. Then definitely some action brings more reward than the other. And that's when artha and karma, when the comfort and pleasure, when that becomes the goal of life, then there is competition. There has to be competition. There is going to be, then there is a life of fighting and competing and demanding and lots of conflicts. <coughs> so today it is difficult. Today I, I, I know that I wish I was doing something. I wish Swami I was a doctor. I wish I was a lawyer. I wish I was so and so. Then it would have been so nice. You know, these fellows, look at this, the millionaires. Look at their houses. Look at the real estate they have. Look at this, you know. People keep talking like this. And they feel, you know, a sense of deprivation. Uh, Swami, I had a choice to take A group or B group. I took A group. I went to engineering. And this fellow was not even as smart as I was, went to the B group, went to medicine. And look what is happening to him. And look what is happening to me. And therefore, the poor man all the time keeps on evaluating his life based on what material wealth or what material benefits he has. That is the traditional, or no, that is the accepted concept of success. But that's not so. Good, bless him. Let him be happy. Let him have more of it. But let your satisfaction come from what you do rather than what you get. How nice would it be? If the satisfaction in life came from what I did rather than from what I got, as we said, nobody can, nobody can make man happy. This is a non-demanding life. When reward is important, it's a demanding life. When my, my action is important, it is a giving life, that's all. So thus Lord Krishna wants to completely change the mode of life from one of demanding to one of offering. Karyamiti, it is my privilege to, to do this because it is my opportunity to offer. So talking about Shabri, you know, we say that this old woman was a great devotee of Lord Rama and she was in fact an untouchable woman. But her guru had told her, that Lord Rama will come to your home. That's it. That was enough for her. And every day she would prepare. Suppose Lord Rama comes today, then what? And so she would walk one mile, sweep the path, remove all the pebbles and all the thorns from the path, 
clean the house and clean the front of the house and and in those days they would have they would plaster you know plaster the uh, the, the first the the, the uh, porch with cow dung and keep it all ready have an asan lord will sit here and then go to the forest get fresh fruits get fresh water keep it all ready and wait doesn't come did not come today tomorrow I don't know how many years she must have done it. It is not that she did this only when the day Lord Rama came. She must have been doing it for a number of years. And one day he came. He has to come. One day he came. And then that was the day. She offered the fruits. She tasted the fruit and offered to him. Rama's younger brother Lakshmana was, you know, was totally upset with this. What is this, what is this woman doing? Rama says, no problem. What is important is not what she is giving, but the devotion visit she is giving and that is what reaches him patram pushpam phalam toyam and so it is not but then it is difficult what we are saying is not easy at all ideally it is not what I do that is important it is the way I do it or the spirit with which I do that is important and that is the life of self-growth I cannot say that you follow this but at least give a consideration to this because one has to be practical also, Swamiji, it's all right, this is all nicely said, you know. But then uh, you have to be practical also. So be practical. Be practical, but give this some scope anyway. Don't be so practical that this has no scope in life at all. That there has some scope. Do some few things, you know, out of just sense of gratitude, a few things. And start enjoying them and hopefully then more and more actions will be performed as an offering. This is called Sangam Chattva, when an action is performed is an offering. Halam chaiva, when the reward that an action brings is not important. This does not happen in one day. It is a process. It may be a lifetime process to bring about this attitude in us. To move from rajas to sattva is not easy. It's a process. But in course of time, we keep on discovering that inner satisfaction. And in course of time, therefore, the rewards will become less and less important also. Right now the reward is the most important thing to me, it will become less and less important. And I will become more and more important. What I do becomes more and more important. Satyagaha, Satvikomataha, here Arjuna, this Tyaga, this renunciation is Satvik renunciation, born of Sattva. It's not a renunciation. Lord Krishna promised to tell us about the three forms of threefold renunciation. First is renunciation born of tamas, where one gives of the karma because it doesn't see the value. Second was renunciation born of rajas, where one gives the karma because it is too painful, doesn't bring the reward, commensurate with the effort involved. And third person doesn't renounce action. He in fact performs the action. All he renounces is his demand of the reward. That's all he renounces. <coughs> but Lord Krishna causes the renunciation born of sattva. In fact, it is like two apples and one orange, you know, that's how it doesn't make three. But anyway, because the first two are the renunciation of action, the third is the renunciation of the reward of the action. But Lord Krishna considers this a superior renunciation to the ones and therefore it is this renunciation where one renounces the reward. It's not easy. As I said, the need for ego gratification is very strong. The need of sense gratification is very strong. And one has to keep that tendency and the check one is to restrain that tendency and make oneself do what is right thing to do it involves a lot of effort but then Lord Krishna says that tyaga this renunciation of the fruits of action is considered to be sattvic tyaga <coughs> and that is a great reward it is not that this renunciation does not bring the reward it brings an infinite reward and that is what is said in the 10th verse. We'll see it in the next class. Om Purnamadav Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashashyate Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Vajrayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutau Vande Bhagavanta Upunapunaha 